Welcome to the Rooted in Change podcast. Hey everyone, this is Jan and you're listening to the Rooted in Change podcast. We're back with a new episode. And as you know, in this podcast, I'm interviewing European clean tech champions on how to tackle the climate crisis. Today's guest is Chai, the founder and CEO of Monitorfish. We'll learn how technology can make fish farming more sustainable and what fish TV is. Welcome, Chai. Thanks, Jan. Thanks for inviting me on your channel. Why don't we start off with a question that I've asked all other guests as well. Tell us a bit about your background. So uh, I come from a small town from uh, from Goa, which is part of India. So I came here to Berlin, Germany around 10 years back as a student. Uh, I did my master's here in Berlin and then somehow got stuck to Berlin. Uh, in the, uh, I'm an engineer by profession. So uh, I worked uh, for an engineering firm and, and somehow uh, all my work experience led me to the challenge of fish farming that we're going to talk about. I'm uh, super interested in that. So tell us a bit more about how did you end up uh, founding Monitor Fish? Uh, I, I mean, as I said, when I was working as an uh, engineer here, so when I graduated out of my university, I was working here in a, in a wastewater ma- management company. And um, we were we were quite good in the machines that we were making. We, it was also something related to sustainability. We were more into energy saving then. Uh, so I was put into R&D and mm-hmm. from R&D, I was put to sales and sent to a fish farm. Here I learned about what fish farming was, how it is, how it is performed. Uh, and at the end of the project, uh, the farmer said, look, the filtration is not the biggest challenge. The challenge is the dying fish. Uh, and I was like, what do you mean by dying fish? So the whole process of uh, aquaculture uh, was done so random and manual. It was mm-hmm. based on intrinsic knowledge. So there were uh, there were gaps and I thought there was some kind of technology intervention in, in, in those uh, manual processes would help them improve their process. So I, I thought there must be some technologies out there which is helping them out. Uh, so I try. I thought, okay, might be this farmer does not know how to Google. So I tried to Google something, uh, <laughs> thinking of I might sell this technology to to him and right. get my commission out of it at the end of the day. Uh, needed yeah. money, of course. Uh, uh, but there was no technology uh, which was supposed to help uh, in the challenge. What what he showed me. So there was certainly a market need. Uh, a market niche that was found out and it was only uh, after a matter of year I happened to meet the right people at the right time let's say uh, mm-hmm. who had this competence to just get the first product out and this is how we formed a uh, monitor fish uh, back uh, in 2019. Super exciting and before we go more into depth on what Monitorfish actually does. I mean, you just said that fish farming required a lot of sort of intrinsic knowledge and probably being, you know, being in the field for some time. Can you explain to our listeners a bit more on how fish farming is done nowadays, sort of the different approaches to fish farming? Uh, so, so fish farming basically has been there uh, since the inception. So. Uh, mm-hmm. It grew in parallel with agriculture. Uh, so, what 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 they do in they 
if you, if you imagine having an aquarium at home, you know how difficult it is to maintain it, right? Uh, because you need to maintain all those parameters uh, as per the fish. Uh, so imagine. 10x or 100x efforts uh, that's aquaculture because uh, you uh, contain a fish uh, or, or you have dense stocking of fish contained in an uh, artificial environment and then you have to maintain this environment so any kind of fluctuation just kills the fish so this is mm-hmm. this is a challenge so they need to know how the fish are growing uh, they need to know how much the fish weighs. They need to know how many different sizes, uh, because not every fish grow at the same rate. So they need to see how, what's the growth rate, what are the different sizes, if there are any kind of disease, early signs. Uh, this is all done manually. So this inspection uh, and monitoring is is um, mainly taking the fish out from the tank and doing that stressful job of inspection. Right. And you just said that uh, taking a fish out of a tank. When I think of fish farming, I often think of those large ponds that they have in, for example, Norway off the coast. But that's not what you're referring to, right? This is just one subcategory of fish farming. Yeah. So so there are different categories, as you said. So this what you uh, see in uh, Norway, they, they are usually large cage put in a sea uh which mm-hmm. is near shore and this is where they grow lots and lots of uh, fish inside uh the other way is just digging some earth uh, uh making a pond uh and trying to put a uh, fish in a in a in a form of a lake uh the other one which i just referred to is uh a little bit advanced segment so this is where uh energy efficiency and all of those concepts gets relevant uh, this this part of aquaculture is called recirculation aquaculture system so where water mm-hmm. is put through a filter and sent back to the same tank uh let's call it and this is where fish are grown so there are different segments of aquaculture what monitor fish does is we actually started with this recirculation aquaculture system uh, because this field is also growing within aquaculture. Uh, you don't need a large amount of land, nor you need a, a sea nearby to start something like this. You can, anyone can do it from a, any place of the world. Uh, so this is, this is what we target right now. Of course, we have some projects coming up in the sea cage as well, because these challenges are also relevant in sea cages. Uh, it's even more rather, let's say, in sea cage because it's hard uh, to pick the fish out from the sea cage and know what mm-hmm. are the sizes and how much to feed them uh, because the questions remain the same. Right. And you don't have the same controlled environment, I guess. Exactly. As an indoor tank. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Understood. And then we already mentioned one, two fish now a number of times. So, what is your solution to? the issue that you've just described so so the the challenge is to know the weight of the fish that's the first right. part so then to know what's the how is it growing and then how how the weight is distributed so this is this is the key one uh, based on on these aspects so farmer can decide how much to feed them uh, uh, is is the growth rate right if i need to sort my fish and this is part of their daily business uh, mm-hmm. So this is done mainly by picking the fish out, as I said. And when you pick the fish out, you 
tend to catch the slowest fish and uh, <laughs> makes fish. sense yeah yeah uh, and imagine there are 35000 fish inside so how many fish can you actually pick uh, that's also very stressful for the farmer uh, more, i guess for the fish right I yeah moreover is for the fish because you take it out from its natural environment you take it out out of the water and it is stressed so you sometimes sometimes farmers do put it back sometimes they throw it out so that is some kind of uh stress induced on the fish uh the ones which are put back again they don't like it of course so they stop eating they might die in the uh, in, in the in the recent future so there is some kind of mortality only because of this process but you need to have this kind of data to make a right decision but if you catch the slowest fish which is supposed to be the weakest fish uh all of the fish that you have caught is uh, giving you poor set of data it is not a good representation of the data so you tend to create a precaution or you tend to take any precaution which is flawed let's call it mm-hmm. and therefore your action is also flawed and the reaction out of your action is is certainly creating more trouble for the farmer than any good so this is a challenge which exists in industries so we thought why not solve this using some kind of artificial intelligence so anything that aids the farmer in doing this process better so we thought what could be the first sensor uh, that might uh, help or, or how we can replace it uh, the best sensor what farmer uses is, is his eye Mm-hmm. Uh, right so so we thought okay let's put some which is sort of the experience that we mentioned before right where you say look farming is probably a business that requires a lot of knowledge that you have accumulated over the years and experienced farmers then see the look at the fish and uh, are able to sort of deduct what needs to happen based on their their data that they have right in front of their eyes Yes so so this depends upon the experience of the farmer so uh, but that's also limited uh, because if uh, the farmer has been growing x uh, type of fish for 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 ages so he's super experienced with uh, with that fish but if uh, y type of fish is grown or if the of the farm decides to grow a uh, y type of fish uh, then they don't have enough experience so they until they build that experience they never make any profits uh mm-hmm. so so that's the challenge so aquaculture although uh, quite attractive business it's also a risky business attractive i say because now mostly the fish come out of aquaculture any fish that you eat uh, mostly is coming out of aquaculture i think there was uh, already a period uh, or we are already in a period where 50 more than 50% of the fish actually come from aquaculture and not from the oceans mm. uh, so uh so coming back to the aquaculture challenge uh we then created underwater cameras so uh the product what we have right now are these underwater cameras that are able to uh detect or measure the weight of the fish can check what's the growth rate check and check what's the distribution and uh, this video footage that we provide can uh, is directed to the farmer and then he can use his own intelligence to uh, to guess if there is any kind of problem that he sees from his experience uh, in uh, of of the fish farmer so we somehow create a product which aids or guides the farmer to take the right decision 
in in fish farming thus reducing the mortality does improving his feed conversion ratio uh, and helping him achieve uh, the desired output that he has invested in right so in a nutshell you're sort of making the fish farming more sustainable because you just described the the issues with uh, taking out fish yeah. from the tank um, yeah. and sort of the mortality that is uh, yes. connected connected to those procedures so sort of making fish farming less stressful for everyone involved both the farmers but of course mostly the fish yes uh, i'll be honest with you so uh, sustainability is a byproduct of of monitor fishes uh, technology uh, farmer was not stressing the fish out out of uh, the cruelty let's say it he just did not know what what's the right action yeah. was because he had poor data he had uh, those black uh, blind spo- uh, spots so our technology allows for this transparency what has been blocking the farmer to take the right action mm-hmm. uh, now he is able to take the right action therefore uh, the amount of uh, chemicals or pesticides or or any kind of excess he was using could be reduced so yeah. this makes the environment for the fish even better hmm. understood and is that also what's called fish tv uh, so that you're actually able to see the fish with the camera is that something different so so fish tv is uh, is one of the features that we offer so our main feature is automated biomass estimation what i talked about mm-hmm. uh, and fish tv is we simply put the fish live on internet so the farmer okay. can <laughs> see his fish from like twitch for fish yes yes exactly and they love it uh, i don't know it's the fish or the farmers it's some kind of uh, uh, phenomena i think uh, the way we like to see a pet uh, or, uh-huh. or even a child and we have cameras for both i guess right now so farmers like to see their fish they mm, uh, can stare at it for hours i'm telling you uh and uh yeah it just gives them better sleep i believe yeah i i guess there's an element to it you're absolutely right uh, um you mentioned before how much time and money obviously farmers need to invest into uh their business and obviously sort of how easily things can go wrong when the conditions change right you mentioned before that Uh, fish don't like change in terms of uh, yeah. i guess water quality probably oxygen in the water saturation uh, chemicals feed whatnot so i guess it's important to always have an eye on how your fish population behaves and evolves yeah certainly on their swimming patterns uh, what this yeah. tv does uh, that we have these underwater cameras right so it's a different perspective for the farmer so they never see yeah. fish in in that uh, that angle they always have seen fish from the top so mm-hmm. uh, this is a new experience for them as well uh, there are some cameras uh, underwater in some sea cage but uh, uh but again uh, not at certain depths there is some kind of footage that uh, people do collect uh but we are uh, so, so norway has been uh quite advanced in such kind mm-hmm. of technologies where you put fish uh, f- f- in fish tv for example uh, 
mm-hmm. but we just make it for every farm now possible. Uh, right. So, so that's not a main feature though. That's a, a feature that we offer along with the biomass estimation. Yeah. Okay. Understood. And where are you on your journey? Because um, you mentioned that you know you were uh, first targeting the the first segments with the indoor tanks, but now also looking at the offshore uh fish farming yes so so we are we're still focused with the land base uh one so uh firstly the idea of putting electronics underwater not the great one right so uh and and then this is uh dark water this is uh uh turbid uh, water uh, condition the fish are too near you so it took us some amount of uh time uh, or some R&D to actually take care of the challenges in deploying kind of computer vision in, in such kind of uh, environment. These are harsh environments. Uh, it took us some time to create the right parameters, uh, create an automated pipeline to uh, get results daily uh, or get accurate results on a daily basis. That's also repeatability of results is, is a key. So, so now we got some initial success. We have some farms in uh, in Germany, Switzerland, uh, and in Denmark. Uh, so, after this commercial success, we are now planning to uh, expand on the real market, which is the Norwegian market. So, we are already making some kind of initial contacts uh, in Norway. Uh, we are quite open to anyone who is willing to help us. The technology is quite new. Uh, we are willing to showcase uh, the the pros uh, of the of the technology. So now we are in that period where we are thinking of going beyond. Super exciting. And what are the day to day challenges that you work on? Sort of what's keeping you busy day and night yeah so uh i, I think uh, the day-to-day challenges when you start a business or something everything uh, the, the world is against you and you're always finding the default the default is that you will lose but then you are you're fighting against it right so initially i always called it that we are like a nomadic tribe and now we are trying mm-hmm. to become a kingdom and from a kingdom we are trying to become an empire uh the difference is the processes are well established and you try to anticipate uh, the what might go wrong much in a much better way uh, than making a firefighting act uh, so we try to reduce as much uh, or we try to get ourselves disciplined i say i would say uh, there will be always challenges uh, but uh, if there is good enough processes that can handle these challenges it's always it's always good, uh, less stressful for the team as well and less stressful for your customers as well. So this is uh, w- this topic of day-to-day challenges has been something on top. Uh, we try to make ourselves disciplined uh, and how to make all of these things disciplined, especially when processes are so young. This has been mostly a challenge. But we are through it now. Uh, we... Uh, we are at a much better state uh, than we were some e- an year back, I would say. I'm happy to hear that. That's exciting. And I mean, you you have ambitious plans. So, what sort of what's your ambition maybe for 2023? Where do you want to be by the end of this year? Because you just said you know we were 
we're in a much better place than yeah. a year ago. So where do you want to be if we were to reconnect next year? So next year, 2023, we want to be in Norwegian farms as uh, mm-hmm. as many as possible. Uh, uh, we have uh, enough uh, structure for it now. Uh, so, but at the end of 2023, I want to, I want Monitor Fish to be a kind of a brand which has showcased that all of these uh, challenges what were existing in deploying machine vision. Uh, I want the Norwegian or the world to know that we have resolved it. So we are, uh, uh, we could be a reliable partner in giving them the reliable data that they need. That's mm-hmm. that's the that's the goal. Right, and especially beyond. Germany, where you had your first projects and pilots, so going yes. international and obviously providing a solution to as right. many yeah. customers as you can. Yeah. Okay, understood. Maybe just to bring this conversation to a sort of a higher level away from the actual product. I mean, a lot has been written and said about the a dooming and glooming food crisis, and I guess this is also part of where your technology comes in to make to sort of ensuring uh, or to ensure food security across the globe and i guess for a growing worldwide population fish is a important part Mm -hmm. of their daily nutrition so what keeps you hopeful what keeps you going uh, knowing about the food crisis yeah, it's, it's a big topic, uh, uh, especially in terms of fish. Uh, we cannot rely upon uh, the normal wild fish because not there are not many stock left. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the world can heal itself. The nature can heal itself. We just have to provide uh, it the enough time required to heal itself. Uh, aquaculture uh, is an alternative because uh, we cannot stop people from eating fish. Uh, there are lots of people now coming out of poverty in some kind of uh, in, in some region and they want to include good proteins now in their diet so so you just cannot tell them look sorry you took too much of time to come out of poverty the fish is over it's, it's this is this is ridiculous uh, so aquaculture forms a good alternative uh, to provide fish and at the same time uh, provide the oceans the time it requires to heal itself. But aquaculture, to be honest, have a certain kind of challenges. And technologies like us uh, provides that hope to, to, to actually make aquaculture sustainable, uh, growing fish uh, locally possible, uh, with growing fish without any risk possible. So uh, I'm, I'm always uh, betting on technologies. So it's it's the solution that and and we are not in a state right now where we have to reinvent the whole wheels we just have to put the patches together and make it work uh so if we have access to technology we have the right capital to do it there is willingness to uh, from the people's side there is good awareness i would say so all of these positives do come together uh mm-hmm. and this is this is my hope uh of, of growing fish uh, on growing any sort of food through t- 
the use of right technology and making it accessible to everyone on this planet. Nice. That's a, yeah, that's a really positive and I guess forward looking statement and provides a lot of hope for the future. Yeah, I'm I'm always looking for also through your medium, I, I would like to reach out all those like minded people who would like to help us in our vision. Uh, we just want to make the protein available uh, to all of all of the world and uh, our, our technology is one of the means. If you have other means, I'm, I'm still open to talk with you. <laughs> yeah, uh, so they uh, understood and the your call to action. Uh, so to our listeners, whoever wants to reach out to Child, put the uh, contact details in the show notes. Um, maybe towards the end of the podcast, is there one piece of advice you've received during your uh, clean tech or startup journey? You mentioned again um, that you are in a much better state as a company now than you were a year ago. So sort of what has changed or how do you tackle these probably, I guess, quite conservative industries. You described very well, I guess, how farmers didn't have the data. How do you convince them to switch to a, a sort of data-based solution? Is that a no-brainer for them or are they hesitant? What sort of advice has helped you along the way? Anything new, people are, um, that that's how we are. Anything new, we are just uh, reluctant for, uh, for the change. But if you see the results and if you see the positive side of it, then people tend to believe you. And once they believe you, they, they follow you. Uh, so uh, it has been uh, the same thing for us. Uh, farmers are not the easiest lot to to convince, but we have to show them the results. And that's the fact we have to live with. And that's uh, that's how uh, Monitor Fish is tuned. So we are more talking about uh, showcasing the results and uh, kind of gaining those trust. Uh, now, in terms of advice, I would say I receive many, and it also de depends upon whom you get it from. Uh, sure. But uh, in in the recent times, uh, life have has been tough for us, right? So uh, we had so many things going around the globe. We had a pandemic. Uh, we had uh, outbreak of a war. Uh, there were so many fluctuations in the market and and this adds to more stress <laughs> and and then at the end of the day you are a human and uh, you have a breaking point as well uh, and you think oh should i should i continue or should i quit and uh, one of the good advice that i received for, and and i think this is uh, relevant for all that if you ever have this feeling just try to procrastinate it to tomorrow and try to quit tomorrow not today uh, try to work uh, as much as possible that this is your last day and just procrastinate the the, uh, 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 the quit thought tomorrow. And I think this helps a lot because that is never tomorrow. It's always today. So you never quit. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess it's a your advice for uh, keep on keep on going, keep on trying, yeah. keep on making it happen. I guess at the same time, there's a point in time where it's also wise to, you know, pull the brake and uh, just say, you know, it's, it's not going to happen. Um, but uh, you're right. I think it's a wise approach and wise advice to say, look, 
I'm gonna at least my first immediate thought to, I don't know, for example, when you get an an angry email or whatnot, people have the urge to respond directly, and I think it's a, a healthy way to just maybe think about it once more, and then uh, once you've actually thought about it, and once you were able to uh, to let it sink in, you might not respond in the same angry voice, but find the high way or sort of um, the more grown-up way and i guess that's similar to what you just said you know that not trying to react in the instance when you have the urge to say it's not working out i need to quit but rather reflect upon it and once more and you might actually find the solution for mm-hmm. it and probably especially in a tech environment as you always i assume there's just you know so many small tech details one always has to solve as well um and, and then in a startup environment to yeah, find the right processes, find the right tools to uh, make the company grow and thrive. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, the, the the mental health of a founder is also something which I rarely hear about. I think this is this is something that needs yeah, attention right. uh, because uh, the fluctuation uh, is so much that we get the best of the news in the morning, the worst of the news in the evening, and then you have to balance this this fluctuation. Uh, this takes a lot of mental toll uh, and i think this is uh, this is the key everything around can be fixed but uh, mental health should be looked quite uh, quite uh, it, it deserves attention but but sadly it does uh, we don't hear about it yeah you're absolutely right i think um that's sort of the one thing maybe that has changed over the last one and a half years uh, i guess the COVID-19 pandemic, but then also the war, they've actually, I don't want to say allowed because that sounds like something so positive, but I think they've opened up the space because out of a sudden, a lot of businesses were struggling and um, sort of the market conditions just have changed quite dramatically. And I think that opened up the space for founders to say, look, it's not going as well anymore as I originally thought. Uh, and you're right that um, founders' mental health is often overlooked or not talked about, but I, I'm seeing at least a slight shift in sort of uh, an, a spark of a conversation there. Uh, so we finally also get to... That's good to hear. If there is any kind of positive development in that sense, that's always, that's always good to hear. I, I'm... I certainly feel that way, I have to say. Um, but you're right that it's not, you know, normally uh, the normal perception is that founders work day and night, 24-7 for their business. Uh, and you're, I guess, one is right in the sense that you're highly invested in making this a success, but at the same time, uh, it should come within healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, um, then I'd love to leave our listeners with your answer to my final question, which is uh, sort of what inspired you recently? Is there anything that you want to share? It might be a book, might be uh, a, a series that you've watched what, or, you know, a quote, whatever it might have been um, that gave you inspiration. Uh, I think I would, if, if, I, if I have to say that what inspired me, so... Uh, it's it's the it's the people that you surround yourself with, and uh, 
the the chance to it may be your investors it may be your uh, mentors uh, and and my inspiration there is all of these guys have done something in their lives and they are willing to help you uh, where does this thing happen you know you, you, there must be something good karma as i have that that the people are trying to help you uh, i'm trying to learn from their experience and the wise advice that i get from them uh this is this is what inspires me to be a founder and and then you have the power at the end of the day to change any rule uh, or to challenge any rule uh, that has been uh, considered as uh, as the norm i think uh, these two aspects uh, inspires me to do what i do right now to get to uh, change things i think that's a wonderful closing statement <laughs> Thanks Jan thanks for having me I thank I steadily Well podcast. thank you so much for your time it's lovely talking to you it's I loved the intersection of technology talking about fish learning about fish and at the same time talking about uh, sort of the the perception and the importance of mental health for founders as well I think it was a really insightful and really unique conversation thank you so much for that Thank you thank you so much